1: This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend.
2: Welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast, I'm James Gordon and joined by Josh McAllister. Later on in this episode, Josh catches up with Rangi Chase who talks about his days at Castleford in England, at Darrell Powell and all things like that. Before that, we'll quickly run through this week and last week in Rugby League. Um, Of course, it was Challenge Cup last weekend um, and there were maybe surprise, well, no surprises unless I suppose you could say Warrington, Wakefield surprise, just run quickly through the results Wigan beat Salford, Hull beat Sheffield, St. Helens won at Whitehaven Featherston give Catalan a little bit of a scare, Catalan won 27-14 in the end, Lee scored a couple of late tries but ultimately lost 24-18 against hull Castleford battered Leeds. it's fair to say then Wakefield won at Warrington and Huddersfield won at Barrow um, I-, I suppose the headlines from those Castleford against Leeds, Josh. I think Castleford were twenty-eight 0 upworthy at one point. Um, you know, Leeds had changed the coach, and somehow it's got even worse.
3: Yeah, you usually get a reaction when you change a coach in any sort of sport, especially sort of football and rugby league, because ultimately you know you get some sort of new lease of life. But that wasn't the case for Leeds. They seem to just be exactly where they were under Richard Agar as they are with Jamie Jones Buchanan. I don't know if it's some sort of player attitude problem. Blake Austin in defence was was pretty poor Hayden Caesar didn't offer too much in attack and ultimately Castleford were the far better side and were pretty comfortable I don't even think they got out of second gear in the second half
2: isn't it, I was having an interesting uh, conversation with Phil Kaplan of 4020 magazine earlier in the week and we were, he was talking about how change in rugby league perhaps isn't um, perhaps isn't given the attention that may or the attention is probably the wrong word but what he was basically saying is maybe the issue is that players can't adapt to change or even not just players but clubs and people within rugby league can't adapt to to change and maybe that's what leads are are going through you know a little bit more you know we talked about Warrington as well obviously Darryl Powell said after their loss to Wakefield he pretty much hammered the players a little bit and said that they're probably not responding to some of the things that him and the coaching staff are asking of them. I guess both Leeds and Warrington are almost in, probably Leeds more so than Warrington, maybe, but in a little bit of mini crisis at the moment, um, which is always an interesting one because, you know, they've ultimately they've only lost three or four games in a row. Um, you know, you think about, uh, you know, I think about if you think there's only a, a handful of clubs in the whole of the rugby league who've probably got a chance of ever winning anything, and Leeds and Warrington are probably up there. I mean, makes you wonder how all these other clubs keep going. If uh, if the if the fans are being turned off by losing just three or four in a row. Um other other games, I guess the Featherston were winning at half time, weren't they, in, in Cartland, but that was a you know, a good effort by them. I suppose the other game that stands out for me, apart from the Warrington one, obviously them losing to Wakefield, was Barrow against Huddersfield, which was probably um a great. It was a great cup tie. It was a great sort of TV cup tie. And if you wanted a Challenge Cup game, that's what you want. You know, you've got a lower league side giving a super league side a really good game.
3: Yeah, it was one of the most entertaining games of the weekend. And I think it's sort of I put a piece out on LoveRubberLeague.com dot this week, sort of arguing that lower league that super league clubs, sorry, should come into the competition a bit earlier because of the sort of cup final feel it gives to these lower leagues. We saw over four thousand at Whitehaven. We saw over three thousand at Barrow. It is really this sort of. Cup final for these lower league sides, and it's it, with the the sport that's cutting more and more from these lower league sides, League One and Championship playing the Super League side really does help in terms of you know exposure and ticket revenue. Christian Wolf sort of agreed with it, but at the same time he already believes clubs are playing t- players are playing too many games as it is. So I think you know I for one would see a shorter Super League season, including the loop fixture, uh, for more Challenge Cup action like this.
2: Yeah, I think um don't forget the Super League teams did used to come in a bit earlier and as much as for every game like that between Barrow and Huddersfield you always had a Warrington putting 80 on Keefley or something like that. So yeah, I think I, I I do I do think them coming in at the last 16 is probably a little bit too late. Um but then at the same time I guess there's a reason why we've we've got to that to that point. Um I think it helps that you've got the be- obviously the better championship teams are obviously making it to this stage, at, yeah. or, you know, because obviously they've knocked out um, the previous ones. But you know, we've seen. I think that there's a huge gulf between the part-time and the full-time teams, you know, even in the league itself. So, and um, the you know, the Challenge Cup's an interesting one, and people have got loads of opinions. You know, the i have um, seen something about, you know, in the 70s or, or maybe prior to that, the Challenge Cup was. The biggest, the be all and end all sort of thing, because obviously all the teams were in the same league. There was a thirty-team league, and so the Challenge Cup was almost like a, you know, a big occasion, a knockout. You know, you might not necessarily play all the team. You know, you might not necessarily have seen a team and play your team in that in the big season it, when it was a big league. I suppose the other problem you've got at the moment with the way the Super League teams come in the way they do is, you know, we've seen it this week. Warrington played Wakefield two weeks running, and the the fans are... Of seeing, you know, sort of sick and tired of seeing the same old teams. Whereas it's nice to see,
3: yeah, new I, new sides. I think everyone predicted sort of worrying to draw Wigan. Yeah, when the, the draw came round, out, like, yeah, if, if Wakefield didn't win. Just that's because of, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'd like to see the um, the odds on all that. But yeah, yeah I, think, you know,
2: I, I think you know, I think the Challenge Cups always an interesting one, but I think you know, I think the makeup of Super League probably doesn't help at, at the moment. Um, you know, in terms of you're always going to get Super League teams paired up against each other, uh, but certainly that Barrow Huddersfield game was a. Um, I suppose when you look at it, when you get to the end of the Challenge Cup, every season you look back at the Challenge Cup and you probably can't remember any of the games because it's just like another Super League game, isn't it? Whereas, at least you look back at that Barrow Huddersfield one and think, oh, that was a good cup tie. Yeah. You know, much like you did I when, like you know, when Featherstone beat Castle be over year, you know, and when when Bradford beat Leeds, and you know. You look at them and think, yeah, that was a good cup tie. Whereas you're never really going to remember, you're probably not going to remember all oh, Wakefield beating Warrington, you know, when you get to the end of the season. Um, the quarterfinals are Catalan St. Helens, Wakefield, Wigan. Is that Wigan? Um, I can't remember which was. Was. one. No, uh, H- H- Huddersfield against Hull. Um, and then it's Hull KR against who, who have we got left? I, f- I forgot who the last team was. Casford, obviously um so they're the court fans the court fans are like next week aren't they so yeah um, pretty soon. you know the, the, that doesn't help either with the challenge cup does it because you know it turns around pretty quickly Um there was one championship game at the weekend um halifax beat workington that was a rearranged game that was postponed earlier in the season league one started and there was wins for Hunslet, doncaster swinton key and north wales crusaders um let's look at the well there's not been a great deal of disciplinary fuss this week josh so i'm no, not either. sure what we're going to talk about the uh, i went to a media briefing with ken davy who's the interim super league chairman and, and he sort of filled us in on what's going on with the realignment discussions which of course has been agreed and they're just trying to finalize the um the final makeup of that the super league I guess to us ordinary folk or to fans I guess not many people will maybe understand or maybe care in many ways but it sounds like the whole structure and the governance and things like that in the background is certainly a lot better for the super league clubs than they um than it was previously so there'll be independent directors there'll be a you know a commercial body um which perhaps differs to where it was five or six years ago, um, which is why they, they broke away from the RFL in the first place. It does seem like there's a little more pragmatic approach from um, from everyone involved. Although, having said that, they haven't ruled out any changes either because, of course, it looks like a strategic partner is going to come in. So, effectively, the new rugby league commercial, which they're calling it at the moment, that won't be its, its eventual name, but that's what the working title is. will be made up of two direct two independent directors appointed by super league two independent directors appointed by the rfl and then there'll be a chairman now the new strategic partner that's coming in will presumably have a say on, on who the chairman is and the new strategic partner might advise we should have a 30 team league do you know what i mean so as much as they're saying well once we do this change that's it forever that doesn't mean that there's not going to be changes within it so be interested to see how that um how that all pans out um this week then, back to Super League, Wednesday night's Wigan-Hull and Josh, which Wigan haven't been firing on all cylinders, I think it's fair to say. I know they won 20 nil last week. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, Josh. Firing all cylinders. But they're playing Hull, but Hull are always a funny team. like Sometimes Hull turn up in... Yeah, you yeah. don't know what tad what full yeah. side you're
3: gonna get. I think um you're right with Wigan, they've not been hundred percent, but they're still you know, they're they've only been beaten once so far this season, so that shows a good team. And one positive for them is Bevan is back. Matt Pete confirmed at a pre match press conference that he will return. Obviously Tommy Luluay's got a one match ban, so he could slot into the halves. Pete didn't give away anything of where he played, he's mentioned the bench a couple of times, but with Tommy Luluaye suspension he might slot straight into the halves or maybe move to full back and Jay Field in the halves but he's an exciting
2: uh, return for the Wigan fans. Yeah, we have talked about the Wigan fullback conundrum quite a bit. I think that you've got to find a way of playing all three field: Hardacre and French. Ultimately, they'll be taking up salary cap space, so you've got to get them in. So that's Thursday night. Friday night, the Sky Games Leeds St. Helens. Obviously, it's Leeds, because Leeds are always on TV. <laughs> um, you Udders- sound like everyone
3: else on Twitter.
2: Huddersfield, U- Catalan, um, Casford Toulouse, which is actually a massive game, Casford against Toulouse. Yeah. Um, Casford would be really boosted by the win last week against Leeds we talked about Toulouse having a week off but actually Casford beating Leeds might actually be better than a week off because it might have just given them a little bit of confidence boost um, Hulk KR Warrington which is going to be a sellout actually we're, we're told so there's a sellout at Hulk KR Warrington um, I'm at that one actually um, Lee versus Jews in championships on Friday night as well that's on our league if you want to buy that um, if you're sick of watching Leeds and you're at home um, and <laughs> <laughs> and then,
3: well, you're on TV just as much. Yeah, Premier yeah. Sports, and, then, and
2: then on on Sunday it's Wakefield Salford in Super League, um, working York, Barrow, Batley, Featherstone, Sheffield, Halifax, Whitehaven, London, Bradford in the Championship. Um, and then the Monday night game is witness witness always on the Monday night Newcastle against witness. Um, I'll be at that one. Um, what do we think then? The uh, the, the Casper. I mean, there's a few interesting games this week. I mean, well, every, every game is interesting in its own right. But Huddersfield Catalans is an interesting one because Huddersfield had been doing well, but they just maybe they got rolled. They they lost that hole, which perhaps would have been a little bit of a surprise um, to be turned over there. So playing Catalans at home is probably a good test of their credentials. Would you say?
3: Yeah, because you'd imagine Ian Watson wants to push for maybe around that top four, and obviously Catalans will be doing exactly the same. So it's a good a good contest for either side to see where where they are just, what is it, the 7th round? 7th
2: really round, yeah. Early <coughs> yeah. In the season? You, to I, see you know, that the Cats for Toulouse game for me is a, a massive, really interesting one and we talked about that when Toulouse beat St Helens that, you know, it's alright beating St Helens but you need to be beating the teams around you because not only do you gain two points, you prevent your opposition getting two points and I think, I, I'd almost say that for Toulouse they have to win that game. Um, I know it's early in the season but I They've already lost to Salford and Wakefield, I think, if they lose to Casford as well, I think even you know, even with that Saints result of the other week, I think they'll find it tough to win enough games in the in the season to stay up. Um uh, actually on to lose. Uh, another headline for this week was uh, Mark Carella of course has signed for Featherston. Um having left to lose at the start of the season. There's some legal dispute still going on, but he's signed for Featherstone. Um, Featherson already got a bit of an embarrassment at riches. What do you think of that move?
3: Yeah, they've already got Brandon Pickersgill for, uh, at full back who they signed from Bradford. Me probably went, came across thinking he he would be playing full back all season. He was given the number one spot. Obviously, they moved Craig Hall to the centres because he was number one in previous years. So they've got probably too many number ones now. So it's, it'll be interesting. And uh, obviously, they've got Gareth Gale and Luke Briscoe on the wings. So you don't you don't think you drop either of them to put in Brandon Pickersgill.
2: Maybe Featherstone are trying to copy the Wigan model, and just yeah, have as just many fullbacks uh, as possible. Team fullbacks. Yeah, it', it, it going to be an interesting one. It'd be interesting because you know he's played for for Toulouse for you know ten or so years. It'd be interesting to see how he slots in somewhere else. Featherston clearly not going to leave anything un, uncovered for their uh, push for for Super League. Um, but yeah, so just before Josh catches up with Rangi Chase, we'll go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm.
1: Here's the good, the bad, bad and the ugly from the past week. The good,
2: Josh, this week. Cumbria. Cumbria Rugby League. Talk to me. Whitehaven, St. Helens, Barrow against Huddersfield. Both great occasions. The weather was brilliant as well in Cumbria. So everyone who I've spoken to who went for the weekend to cover both games was uh, was buzzing for the weather. And obviously, two you know although St. Helens turned Whitehaven over relatively easily, they were both still two good games.
3: Yeah, they were. Uh, I thought Whitehaven put up a good contest against the current cup holders. Christian Wolf said he enjoyed the entire day out um, in Whitehaven. Said that they were. I think they were sort of greeted as superstars, which is you know because Whitehaven aren't used to seeing you know Super League players come, especially St. Helens, who were the three-time champions. Barrow as well. Say Whitehaven over four thousand, over three thousand at Barrow uh, on BBC. Great crowd. Another uh, that was a great game as well. Great, for, great. Cumbrian rugby league.
2: The bad. We're going to stick with crowds. Warrington. I can't remember the exact figure. Two thousand six hundred and something against Wakefield was the lowest crowd they've ever had at the new stadium. Uh, and really, for a team of Warrington's size, and very disappointing, I guess for them yeah they played the same opposition as last week yeah it was mother's day yeah weather was nice yeah the cost but for me it's like i understand working on a bit of a losing run but to only get 2600 for any whole match is, is pretty poor isn't it
3: yeah very poor um again it's it, come back to that challenge cup of them playing the same teams Obviously, you say they played Wakefield eight days before which they lost to a mixture of things it, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic was it
2: the I mean, the other thing was, if you remember Stephen Ratchard's testimonial in January, they got nearly three times as many fans to that match, which is effectively a friendly, than they did for, yeah. for a cup tie Sh- against Wakefield. Sh- surely
3: supporters haven't given up already completely on one two. Well, I mean... Yeah, bad games, I know. But.
2: I, and this, this is the point I make. You know, you look at it makes you wonder how any other how the clubs lower down manage to get fans to come in at all when you know when a yeah, team at the tops who, who win trophies and are relatively successful lose a few games and all of a sudden the fans just disappear how on earth did the clubs who've never got any chance really winning anything manage to get people in that's the bad the ugly this week there's no disciplinary necessarily although Tommy Thomas Luloi did get it he's, he's been banned hasn't he ban, yeah. he's got a one match ban for a, a bit of a nasty tackle on James Greenwood Um in the Wigan Salford game, I suppose, and Greenwood's out for a month, isn't he? We've seen on crutches and stuff like that. There's been a little bit of a fuss in recent weeks about, oh well, you know, if he'd, have, you know, that tackle there, if he'd have hit him, he didn't hurt him, you know, he wasn't. He wasn't. Whereas we've got a case here where a player is obviously being hurt in a tackle and will have to miss a month. Yep,
3: yeah, and and the argument has always been sort of, you know, the the ban, one match ban. Wigan only lose their captain for one game, whereas Salford will lose their. Battero for months and months so it is a tough one again on the on the suspension some people argue well how come one team's going to lose that play for months and one team's only going to lose it for a game
2: yeah I mean whether we'll ever get to suspension the matching injuries remains to be seen but that's it from us for now but stick with us because Josh has caught up with Rangi Chase
1: keep up with all things rugby league 24-7 head on over to loverugbyleague.com
3: on this week's episode, our, our special guest is a player with over 200 career appearances. Um, he is the 2011 Man of Steel winner and eight caps for England. Uh, Rangi Chase joins us. Rangi, thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, Josh.
3: Um, we're going to go th- through your career. Um, usually this, these chats last about half, half hour, but um, with your career, I feel like we could be here for hours and hours. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll jump straight
0: into it. Yeah, far away, brother.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, we'll go back to the early days. You started your career in the NRL. We won't discuss too much about that, but, you know, then you came over to Super League quite early. Did you ever envision, when you were playing in the NRL, did you ever envision the sort of career you'd have in the Super League that you've had?
0: No, no not at all. Um, yeah, I just had one game for West Tigers, which was my debut, which was, was an awesome feeling. It's, that was my dream, really, and... Just to play one game was awesome and then i didn't i didn't manage to make the team that year so i went to st george for two years under nathan brown and played some games there um, I was more of a utility i didn't really get didn't really i wasn't able to submit one spot and I, it was good for the team but it wasn't really good for me you know um I just thought I needed opportunities just to cement one one spot whether it was hooker, half, or standoff. So you play anywhere when you when you first start out, but I just thought it wasn't helping my career. So I come to Mighty Cass Tigers.
3: Yeah, Castleford. Do you remember that sort of chat? I imagine you used in Australia. You had a chat with someone in Castleford that sort of convinced you to, to come over.
0: Yeah. Um what happened was uh, Nathan Brown. Well, you know, we were sort of underachieving at um, St George because we had some Australian representatives and stuff like that and had underachieved for a couple of years. And I negotiated my contract and with Nathan, with Brownie, and um, I was going to stay. Yeah. And Wayne Bennett came and, um, you know, I was going to be the standoff. Uh, for the next, for that year, for the next year, which was 2009, I think it was a two year deal, and then negotiation, negotiation, stalled stopped actually, and Wayne Bennett offered me, you know, less money and said I'll be a, you know, I'll be second string, so I just thought, uh, I, like I said before, I was like, oh, man, I want to. I just put one position because I, I was confident in my ability. So I got on to um, my manager, was Chris Orr at the time. And he uh, said there's some options over in, in the UK. I never heard of it. It was either Castleford or Salford, same same deal. You, just take your, you know, I just had to take my pick. And I knew Brent Sherman and... Dean Widders, Seoni Whamawina, we're at Castleford, so, and with Brent Sherwin being at the Bulldogs, I've, you know, playing the half, I thought I'd go there because he can, I'll be able to learn a lot of him, so I went to Cust, not knowing anything about it. It was for two years and it was, I was just going for two years just to learn my trade and ex- get experiences to play every week. And that's how that came about.
3: As a young man moving from Australia to England it must have been been quite scary you say there, you, you initially thought it was only gonna be two years obviously it's ended up much longer than that yes
0: yeah, so I'm going to my 14th year here now <laughs> uh, um, yeah it was a uh, lucky the lifestyle I had as a kid I was um, moving around a lot so I was used to moving so that didn't really scare me it was I just took it for what it was. It's was just an opportunity to do what I love, and that's that's you know I love I love the sport that much. I'd do what I could to play, and it was just an opportunity to be fair. And yeah, I probably got probably got a bit nervous, you know, more going coming to the time I was coming over. A different country and you know it's cold and people talk about the Super League and say oh, it's freezing over there and the competition ain't that good and stuff like that. But um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, yeah, as far as my career goes.
3: How do you reflect on your time at Castleford?
0: Yeah, good. Uh, really good. Um, sorry. um. No. Yeah, I enjoyed it, mate. Um, yeah, it was awesome, but, Like, uh, I come on nobody and come over nobody, no one knew who I was. Funny thing was, Terry Madison picked me up from the airport, right? And I'd, we had off season, and I'd just been eating, take, you know, junk, because I'm a young 20, I was like 22. So I had no idea about diet, so I'm just eating rubbish every day, drinking. And I've come over and I've put like ten k on. And he uh, was at, he was at the, <laughs> the airport. I'm walking past and I was like, he looks like a. I don't know. I just thought he looks like a coach. And and I've walked past and I've looked at him and he did, he's looked at me, but obviously didn't recognise me. And I'm thinking, does he even know who I am? So I've walked past and I've turned around. And he's like, You're me, you Chase? Chase? I was like, Yeah, yeah, that's me. And he goes, oh, oh, I'm here to pick you. So he didn't even know who I was. So that was funny.
3: <laughs> you say you a lot of highlights at Castle for 2011 being the highlight year. And then around that time, I imagine a few clubs were also sniffing around you.
0: Well, uh, you know what the internet is like. It, uh, a lot of it was rumors. Yeah. A lot of it was rumors. Um no one no one approached me or anything like that. It's just you know, when you're going well, it's uh people just put your name to a club or something like that. But yeah, that's all it was. But no, some good years there, memorable years. I played my best footy there. Um yeah, I enjoyed it, I had a good time. I had a good time at Cass. I still support them now. I love it. I, you know, I'd say I'm a Cass fan.
3: I was just about to ask predictions for the year. Obviously, they got their first win at the time of recording was, was yesterday over Hull. Do you, think they're, uh, do you think they'll come better under Lee Radford? Obviously, off to a slow start, but it's a new coach, new systems, new players.
0: Yeah, things take time, don't they? You know, you've got new players, new coach, new systems, new beliefs. Um, the games I saw on, um, on TV... You can see that they're trying and stuff like that and see what they're trying to do and attack with the balls. But the execution, you know, it's not coming off a bit. But I think, uh, you know, how Cass, if you're not, if you're, you know, if you're not delivering, you soon know about it, especially from the fans. They'll, they'll do you when you're playing. But uh, you can, can be quite hostile down there when you're not winning games, especially what after what, Power created there. You turned a, you know, a team that was never looking into the fight, like never had a chance of making finals to, to top four, probably, you know. Um, so I'm glad that they got their first win. You know, it's hopefully a boost the morale in the camp and then um can have can sleep a bit better.
3: <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a bit about Superly later on because I know you've uh, voiced your opinions on players and all that on Twitter. But for for your career, 2011, back to that year, um, I believe that was the year you first called up to England as well. How does that? How does that come about? How did that? How did you find that? Who called you up?
0: I called him. up. I called the coach. I, um, you know, brain I'm still a proud Kiwi man. I'm still proud of where I come from. Um. Yeah. So what happened was I I'd, I'd never been getting picked for New Zealand or anything, and my my uh, wife at the time she was pregnant with me um eldest boy. So I thought I'm never going to leave this country, you know. And I thought this is home for me now. And then I uh, I don't know man, what's his name is an agent? His name called him Robbo. I can't remember his first name. It was an Australian bloke. And he had a few connections, and he got me Steve's number, McNamara. And I just got in touch with him. I said, mate, what do you think about me playing for England? And he said, oh, "I'll leave it with me. I'll have a, we had a chat. I can't really remember what it was because it was quite a, lot, a long time ago. But he said, I'll have a chat to the senior players, with Peacock and Sinfield and players like that. He come back to me and said, Yeah, they, it's all right with them, it's all right with me. I met him and then that, that's how it came about.
3: And the 2013 World Cup must be sort of a career highlight, so close, obviously, that Sean Johnson step you said still comes up sometimes and breaks every England fan's hearts. But that's a must be a career highlight for yourself,
0: yeah, of course, yeah, 100%. 100% that's that's up there, um, yeah, playing. Playing the opening round in Australia at Millennium Stadium was an um, unbelievable atmosphere. It was just... found yourself looking around because I've never really been a part of big games. You know, Cass went fortunate enough to make finals and things like that, so it was a big occasion and something I remember for a long time.
3: How did you find being around those sort of players? You mentioned a couple of them, Sinfield, Pete Cocker, Sam Tompkins would have been in the team. Sort of Josh Charlie, I think, might have been in it lately. You were, could you? How did you find being in that sort of a new environment, completely different group? I imagine to you.
0: Yeah, completely different, and you got to remember, I'm a, you know, I still speak like a Kiwi, so I sort of, sort of felt like I was a bit, I didn't fit in, sort of thing. Um, I found it quite tough because I always wanted to be true to myself, you know, being a Kiwi fella, but keeping a little moldi boy from New Zealand. Um it just yeah, but the talent that I was around was just you have to train, you're on your A game and you know, like at training it just brings the best out of you, everyone's skill level and all that. The intensity is just another level. And uh I found that I found that really really good to be around. You got players like Jamie Peacock. Um Kevin Sinfield, you know, teams that I've always been used to playing against smashed by. You know, in the Wigan contingent, there, there was a the year that they, they started um. Bringing that aggression to the game. And I got on really well with the Wigan lads. Well, everyone really, but my Mickey McAlorum and. You know um. Gav's Hawk and, you know them type of the players. Got on with everyone really, I just kept my I, just, I was a floater, because I, I was the only one from cast, so i just float around <laughs> but yeah, well Sam obviously, Sam Tompkins he, he was his, his form at, at that time was, I mean, he was unbelievable um, so it was good, sometimes you find yourself in awe around the players you're, you're, you're involved with, you standing and think, jeez, how has he done that, and And like Jamie Peacock's leadership is just, you know, when he spoke, he just listened. Uh, He's well-respected. And I was roommates with um, Kirby Sinfield for a couple of times. So I like to, uh, he was a good bloke because that cast leads thing, that cast, so I was like, I don't like him either. There was no reason. (laughs) But then once I get to know him, he he was one of the nicest people you meet.
3: Yeah, you mentioned loads of teammates there. Sam Burgess would have been the side, James Gray. Who would you say is the sort of not, not best, but sort of the, the the hardest working or you know the highlight teammate you've ever played with across your career?
0: Uh what in England or
3: any of them just throughout your career?
0: Um can you remember Mark Gasniel from Dragons? Yeah, he um he's the best player i have play with. Um he was outside me, so like when I played at Saints, he was Australian, State of origin, centre, best, best centre in the world. And he was just, what he could do with the ball, it was just unbelievable. A bit like Matt Goodley, you know, with Matt Goodley and Jamie Lyon, like that. But I'll probably say, he was, you know, yeah, he was up like, he was that he was that good, he was, he was good as good them, as them guys, if not better. But um, as I come over here, um, I didn't play much with Sam Burgess or against him. But he was—he just trained hard. He was hard as nails. There's so many, but probably overall, Sam Tompkins is probably the. For the size and what he does, he's so so strong. He's competitive and he's he's smart. Um. Yeah, probably Sam Tompkins stands out for me the best of with over here and with,
3: and he's arguably probably still the best fullback in the competition as well. He's in Sean England squad again, ten ten years later,
0: and that's it. He's you know look, he's 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 he can't do the things you know like them ninety meter tries and stuff that like he used to score, but his brain, he picks teams apart. Look. Uh, you know, the ball always goes his way. He's the main indicator. And if the if he's got a three on two at the back, you know, he's gonna nine times out of ten, it's gonna be finished because he'll pick the right pass. His pass selection is the best. It's up there with the best in the league. Um, and defensively, he's probably the best defensive fullback in the game as well. He's like I say, he puts his body on the line and if you, if you know the game and you watch him, he directs people around, he gets the numbers right in defence. So, yeah, sounds like I'm uh, fanboying him, but yeah, it's the truth.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you still say he's still one of the best players in the Super League. I don't want to go through each and every club you've been at um, and, and pick your brain, but one we'll, I'd like to discuss is Salford, obviously. I think you might have signed a four-year deal at Salford. Um I just I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about your time at the club reflecting on it and, and what happened there.
0: Oh, reflecting on it? Um, the ambition from the owner and, and stuff like that was you know, as a player signed there, you think, wow the players we were signing, you know, the calibre of players we were signing, you think we can do something here. Yeah? You want to be a part of it and you know, it wasn't a lack of effort from the players and coaches. It was just a weird, it was just a, I don't know the setup, and they only got involved a bit too much, and ended up being like uh, yeah, so many players and coaches came in and out that at my time there, and, and I eventually left. But you know, I had some good. I did have some good times there. I tried tried my best, like I always do. Um, But it didn't go as planned. It didn't go as planned. I don't regret going there, but, you know, it's uh, it's, it's quite hard. We didn't live up to what we um, should have done, you know, as a team. And I think it's just, put my finger on it, Uh, maybe... Maybe it's just because of people who are unsure of their jobs all the time. It's just made an uneasy feeling in the camp. You don't know who to trust. Um, You don't know if your job's going to be there tomorrow or what. So it was very uncomfortable. It was very stressful environment to be around. A lot of players uh, found it tough to be there. And I was one of them at the end as well.
3: Yeah, which resulted in a, a short move to Lee. Um, Lee again, still in the championship. They're a club that seem to pump quite a bit. Derek Bowman seems to pump quite a little bit of money into his squad and he's always wanting to reach that Super League ambition. How did you find your time at uh, Lee?
0: Yeah, I found it good, you know, the ambition. Um, Derek was classy, he was sound to me, was Derek. Um, but I had my issues that stemmed from Salford. You know, I had, you know, I was. My marriage was breaking up I, I was my man, my marriage was finished actually wasn't seeing my kids much so I went into a bit of a dark place and um, yeah money and stuff come into it so I was trying to regather myself and pick myself up but uh, behind closed doors I was, you know, I was I was in a bad place and I couldn't give my best to Lee not because of them just because of myself. I was just, I was just in a bad place. Um, yeah, I just couldn't spark. I played, I think, eight games. I was like, getting injured. And I wasn't living right, mate, and so I had these problems going on, you know, in marriage and stuff and money, and that that really affected me. No, so yeah, my time at Lee wasn't. Yeah, if I could, yeah, my time at Lee wasn't great because my head wasn't, you know, was wasn't great, and I just, my, can't even remember having one good game for them, and I felt sorry, if, you know, because, like, yeah, the things happen, and you know, um, like I said, they treated me well. It Was just, yeah, you know, from the from what happened at Salford, I was just, uh, I was just, and in my personal life, I was just, I wasn't. I was a bit
3: all over the place. I, I appreciate your honesty because obviously fans will just see players on the pitch and what goes right and what goes wrong. But, you know, each and every player has their own background, their own things going on away from the pitch as well, don't they? Which sometimes players might be able to switch off for 80 minutes and that becomes their best 80 minutes of their week. But sometimes it's can just be a little bit too much.
0: Yeah. And you know, I've had my issues through life like everyone else does. And you just turn up the training, you block it out, turn up the games, you block it out. And I I did do when I was at Salford, things were happening to me that no one knew about and I was still winning games for them. Still turning up. But then you know, I can be honest about it and tell it's my story, it's what happened. When I was at Lee, I couldn't I couldn't get it together. But that was that was um yeah, that's where I was at that point in time in my life. I was uh, I was struggling. And uh yeah, sometimes it becomes a bit too much. So I um yeah, and that's that's what happened. That's what happened to me, man. I forgot your question, but I was just rambling on. <laughs> no, no,
3: that's that's the whole point of this interview, is just that I appreciate your honesty on everything. Um talk, talking, we've talked about the best sort of player you've played, but have you you've had a handful of coaches. Uh, which coach would you say you, you've learned the most from? Obviously, we'll we'll exclude Matt Callan right now because you're obviously at Rochdale Hornet, so we won't put that pressure on you. We'll exclude Matt Callan. Who's the best coach you've ever been under?
0: Yeah, okay. I've said a lot. I suppose every rugby league player does. Um, I enjoyed my time with Terry Madison because he just let me let me be who I was. Like he wouldn't uh, let me express myself, and that's the way I like to play. Um, and then Daryl Powell came after Ian Wood, and he made me. I got that spark back again. When he came, we. Well, I think I only played a handful of games, seven, eight games, or like, something like that. When he came, took over mid-year or something, and I play. I start again playing well again. So probably. Who I learned the most off was, uh, I don't know, yeah. I, every coach is good, but because I just liked uh, Terry Madison because he let me, he um, just let me express myself. And pff, it's hard question that, but probably Daryl Powell because he's just so, so knowledgeable about the game. He was a bit different to Terry where he, You'd really analyze and pick things up to a T, right down to a T, say, this is what this guy's going to do, and this plays on. And, and with him and Ryan Sheridan, both being, you know, halfbacks are very smart. I found that they were too smart. Sometimes I'll go into a game and I'll go, oh, I've been told to do this because this is this, and then I'm overthinking. Um, that's how smart they were. And uh, so, yeah, probably what I learned the most of was uh Cowley.
3: And I've seen on, on Twitter you, you, you're you up-to-date at Rugby League. I think you are a bit of a Rugby League, forgive me, a little bit of a Rugby League geek. I think you follow Super League. Do you think Daryl Powell will bring success to Warrington?
0: He's had success wherever he's gone. Um, he's always turned the average team into a good team. He's turned average players into good players. I like to st- see the statistics of uh, how many coaches, you know, what people get managed to under certain coaches because you turn Luke Gale into a good player, Daz Clark. They're always good players, but you know, you the best out of them. MACA. Um, who else? You know, that's three. That's the that's that's a big that's three off the top of my head. That's loads. Um, so, and that was average, you know, not, no disrespect to the people i play with, but, you know, we ain't got the calibre that, war- that Warrington are doing their roster. So I think if he can get the best out of the them players, like he did with us sort of average players, I think that could be good. But I say that now, and they just got beaten a weekend, didn't they? So, from an um, understream side. So... Probably wouldn't. No one probably would have saw that coming, and yeah, I like what uh, they're passionate about. It. I like watching now. It's like you know, my days are gone being a living that life. I just like to watch it because I can watch it from a fan's perspective. Yeah, because when you're living it and breathing it, you don't. You can watch a bit of games here and there, but you get sick of it because you, that's your life. That's your life. It's not my life anymore. So I can just watch it as a neutral
3: was it? Was it Wakefield Leeds on Thursday? You was did you make your radio commentary debut? Yeah,
0: boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: How did you, how did you find that? Is that some because obviously the knowledge that you'll have of the game will be incredible. So is that something that you'd like to go down the lines of sort of radio in this sort of media and giving your an insight?
0: Well, um mean me I'm still, you know, yesterday because I was with them at South. We remained mates. Um, we had a good relationship, and I just got a hold of his number, and we got chatting and stuff, and they come up in conversation, and used to do radio and stuff, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind giving that a go, and he got me in touch with James Dighton, is that his name? But I can't, can't uh, pronounce his last name properly. I've known him because I've been interviewed by him loads, but uh, yeah, James, <laughs> um, JD they call him. I, just said, I rang him and said, any chance that you on um, the radio? He says oh, I've got a long list, but actually, next week, what are you doing? The Wakefield-Leeds game. Say said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Obviously coming up to it, I was nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, I was nervous, but it's not something that I thought, that I thought about doing, but I, I just wanted an opportunity here. It was just an opportunity, and it came up, and I'm glad I did it because, like I say, I love. It. I love. It. I'm like a fan of rugby, <laughs> like a rugby nerd, rugby league nerd, and I like watching and I found it really good. Um, yeah, it was really good.
3: Were you more nervous on the sidelines commentating than you would have been on the pitch playing?
0: Yeah, I said that to uh, <laughs> my colleague Matt. I said, "Oh, I'm nervous because obviously, I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> it's my first time, so I'm like I'd rather go out there and play, but um, because you know we we we're used to playing, so the nerves ain't there's uh when when you're doing something that's out of your comfort zone, which which was out of mine at the time. As I got into it, I was alright, but um, it might be something that comes up. I'm not too sure. Um, if I get asked again to do it, yeah, I probably would.
3: And I've seen on your social media you're a bit of a fan of um Jake Conner. I think you've, you picked him as one of the best players you enjoy watching in Super League. Do you think he's you know one of the most talented? Obviously, the big talking point was he was left out of Sean Wayne's England squad, but that could only be a motivator for him to get even better this season. I think he played this, the other week six assists and a try. So he's obviously up there with the top performances at the minute. Yeah,
0: I've always liked him. I've always liked Jake his uh, last... Years ever since he started playing when he was young at feel I used to like him back then because he would never back down. And um he'd always stand his own, even like I think it was one game, some senior, some he's only a kid, and someone tried aim screwing up to him and he's punched him in the face. I don't like it because of that, you know, like can condone violence, but I like the fact that he
3: stuck up for himself.
0: because he was young, he stood his own. And then as he's progressed. He's more, you know, his his skills just unbelievable. He's his class, what he comes up with, um, no one can do it. You know, it's probably only him that can do them kind of things on his day. And uh, I just think people don't like him because uh, he gets under people's skins, and I like it about him. You're not playing rugby to make friends; you're there to win. And but not just saying that, he's very skillful and. He's a competitor, good defender. He's got a good all around game, but yeah, I like watching him. He's he's one of my favourite.
3: And I'll just get your opinion on the World Cup. Obviously, you've never, I don't think you'll have ever played under Sean Wayne, but you'll have played against Sean Wayne teams. He leads England this year for the World Cup. What what do you fancy for their chances in the World Cup? Obviously, you'll be keeping a close eye on New Zealand, Australia will come over as one of the favourites. But what do you think the chances the chances are for Sean Wayne's England side?
0: Well, I've played against his sides of a lot of my career and with a very and I've always heard good reports about him. How he's a good people person and people want to play for him. And I think that's the right kind of person that you put in the international environment. People don't really need coaching at that level. They just need, you know, you just need to you, you don't need to teach people the fundamentals because they already got it. They're there for a reason. It's, you know, I think you've got to be a coach that just makes blends, gets their score together, and bring get the right blend, um, the right mix. And I think if they play for each other and play for that, play for England, you know, play for the badge on their chest, um, with the passion that he could bring, them Wigan players out of, I think they could beat anyone. Um, I'll be honest, when I first made England. I was walking around and you had Leeds players in the hole here. it was a split, and I've been involved in New Zealand camps, you know, before I come to England, I was in New Zealand, I was in the squad, the train on squad, and you're one, you're together, it doesn't matter what, and I just think if they can, um, look, I might be wrong now, I might have changed, I've not played for England for a long time. I think if they can get their unity as one, you know, play for um play for the for your country, play for your mate, play for your brother, everyone's brothers there at the end of the day. Have each other's bucks. They could do anything, um, for sure, especially with the talent that's cropping up. The depth that England have now, I think, is a lot better than previous years.
3: Yeah, which is obviously something that Australia and New Zealand have. And that's helped with their successes, the depth they have. You know, for for halfback, Daly Treviums, for example, drops out, they'll have someone in Moses that can come in and fill in. So they've got that depth. I just want to talk about uh, your current current team, Rochdale. Obviously, you, there's, there's some experience in that side. You've got yourself, you've got Sean Penkovich, 3 Moi Moi.
0: Sure, shout out to Rochdale.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, mate. have a little chat. So Matt Callens, Andy Maisie, the chairman. I imagine promotion is. Um, is the goal this
0: season we haven't spoken about our goals yet we're going away on camp in a couple of weeks and we'll get we'll get some goals in it together as a group personally I think uh, if we keep healthy we've got a very good chance I believe that we can do something and yeah it's we've got a great mix of <laughs> some experience like you just mentioned us old blokes and then these young, hungry kids coming in that are, um, you know, Matt's brought some young players through that uh, have kicked on into playing first team like Maddie Ashton at Warrington. Um, couple, that's just one I can remember off a couple more, top of my head, but he's, he's really done well with the young lads there and the, some of them young lads there that, that I train with, I think, well, wow, some of these can... There's no reason why they shouldn't be in the Super League squad, so it's a great opportunity for them. But yeah, I've got a great relationship with with um, with Matt. Uh, he's he's probably the reason, big reason in the way that I signed there, and I want want to stay there. And Andy May's the, the owner who's been good to me, so I really love it there. I really love the boys. Um I'm just grateful just to be able to keep playing and have you know, my white right, right page of 35 and still doing what I, what I love. And but the main thing just to try and get the club where it wants to be and just to play my little part in that that and to get promoted.
3: And as a halfback, obviously the game is always your forwards can help you get on that get get on the front, front foot. Three three moymo leading leading the pack there. He's a, he's going to be someone that gets you on the front foot. If you can get a quick play of the ball, there's going to be five, four, four or five defenders on him and that's it, there's your space. Then you've got the likes of Zach Baker, who, who's a talented player. Paul Braley, obviously he was at Toronto. It didn't, I don't think he even played for Toronto, but he's got that potential to be up there. It's, tell, it's quite a rush down.
0: hundred uh, percent. Like you said, um, them players, and I'm not just saying it because I'm with them, I, they, I don't think they'll look out of place in Super League squads. Special report, really. Uh, <clears throat> we call him chewy. Um Binion, you know, he's a good funeral in this level. Um, like you say, you get four, you get him fit, and, you know, play him your manager's minutes right. And you've got Penky, who's still at his age, he's still probably one of the best nines in the comp. Um, Baker, and you've got Cullen Marriott. You know, Maz, we've got a good, pretty good, um, you know, 20, 22-man squad. It's just um, keeping us fit. And I've got, obviously, like myself, the experience I can bring. I no longer have that um, step anymore, but it's a bit slow at the moment. (laughs) I just have to try and use my brain. But, yeah, I love it. I love the lads. You know, everyone says that, but I genuinely do. It's big reason I stayed because I'm uh, I'm a liked amongst the group and vice versa I like them and the club you know like with Matt and Andy they've been good to me mate and um, we've got a good we've got a good um, buzz going around at our club like and we've got some young young boys competing for for spots you know I, I don't even know if I'm if I'm gonna be a walking in the seventeen anymore. <laughs> Those days we are gone. Where I say, "Oh, yeah, I'll probably get picked this week," but don't know now.
3: <laughs> yeah, com- competition with, with Lewis Sheridan in the Alps, and I saw um, Dan Nixon on the wing. I saw you. You accidentally voted for yourself instead of him for man of the match of the week.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because I've just come on Twitter again. Uh, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit behind because I come off it years ago, <laughs> and uh, obviously, there's a lot to I come on Twitter just because lot of rugby news so I like to keep what's I have a little flip, what's going on and what people are saying and stuff so I like to, that's the main reason I came on so I don't even know how to I just learn how to retweet and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> bit of a dinosaur bro <laughs> you,
3: you said you, you're just happy to be back on the pitch Um I've, I don't want to throw the word retirement out there but I imagine that's not even really crossed your mind just yet you just want to See, um, no,
0: it has it has oh. i'll be honest but it has because uh you know when you when you can't do the things that you once did in your body you're getting niggles all the time so I just approach every game that, like it could be my last um and, and when I say it like that i just want to enjoy enjoy what I'm doing because i lost the love of the game for a bit um there and you know I, I enjoy it now and i enjoy it and you're retired for a long time so i'm just just doing like well i still can and at a level where i can still be a bit competitive and just enjoy everything about it enjoy training enjoy everything because it's going to be gone soon and uh i wanna that's all I'm, that's how i approach it
3: I, I don't want to say well I imagine you, you don't want this year to be your last then you you go on until the body says no
0: yeah I'll go on until the body says says no it's probably all um you know I've picked up some injuries over the last couple of years I broke my teeth that's why I've got these funky braces on um snapped my arm but uh yeah um but if I if I can't perform, if I'm not performing well, You know, it's time to, time to, time to think. But yeah, if I pull up alright, I'll still keep going. Um, like I say, it's uh, it's when you're retired, you're retired for a long time. But I'm playing because I want to play. I don't have to play. Um, I'm playing because I want to play, and I'm enjoying it because this, as a boy, this was all I wanted to do. I lost the love of it there for a bit. Now I realised that I still got an opportunity to, 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 to um, play the game that once. It changed my life. So I just want to enjoy it, you know. I was a little troubled teen getting into trouble all the time with the police and stuff like that. and Got an opportunity to go to Australia and switch my life around. Put me on a path that, you know, I could only dream of. So just enjoying.
3: It. Yeah, well, we'll touch on a, a nice note there. So you, what would you say rugby league has, has done for you away from the pitch?
0: Away from the pitch? Um it's given me the confidence to be able to well like not including rugby.
3: Well you, including rugby, yeah. So what just what 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 has rugby done for you, would you say in, in your life? Well, it's,
0: it's made me, you know, to believe in myself and to know that I can achieve anything that I put my mind to. It's given me the confidence to you know, I had low self-esteem as a kid. And I couldn't, I couldn't have a conversation like this. Just little things like rugby league has taught me how to communicate with people. Um, to give back, how important it is to give back to people, especially kids, you know, at games and stuff, just to give them a handshake or cuddle them just to make their day, just a little picture, um, photo with them, just things like that that um, sometimes you can sort of take for granted when you're in the limelight. But I've always been that guy to uh, give my time back. And it's, yeah, Wobble League has given give me a lot, just given me, put me in a position that I could only dream of, you know, as kids look up to you and, whatever you say to them and stuff like that, they might uh, get some inspiration from it. So, yeah, just uh, it's given me it's given me something I've never thought of, you know, being able to play rugby league in a different country, England, France, uh, around the world. Um, you know, if you ask me that as a seven-year-old boy, I would have said, you're dreaming, but I've got a lot to be grateful for what this game's given me. It's, uh, yeah, that's just the that's just what's come to my mind. There's probably a lot more stuff that I haven't said, but it's given me a lot, bro, and things like this I can save and chat back to you is, uh, you know, I'm grateful for. So it's just those little things, little things like that.
3: Yeah, Rangi, I appreciate your honesty and your time for the podcast. I wish you uh, all the best with Rochdale this season and all the best off the field too. Uh, I hope you have an enjoyable and injury-free season. I appreciate your time.
0: Oh, thanks Josh man, it's been uh, yeah, it's been good brother Thank, Thanks for that, I appreciate your time
1: Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com